Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, hello, hello. Happy summer. Kelly and Chelsea here. Happy Worldview Wednesday, everybody. Yes, it is finally warm here in Ohio. It's fantastic, Kelly. My grass is green because I live in the Midwest. You know grass is a thing here, right? It's true. My grass is brown already. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if it ever turns green. Uh, And I, like many other parents across the country right now, have a break from school. So it's kind of fantastic all around, really. Yes, absolutely. So this Worldview Wednesday, friends, we're going to highlight several news headlines. We kind of moved to just one. But today, there's been so many over the past couple of weeks. We're going to highlight um, four of them, and we want to bring them all to your attention. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good episode because, I don't know, the past few Worldview Wednesdays, I feel like we've been asking parents to like pause us and like have their kids go in a different room or something or like pause when or listen to us when, you know, their kids aren't around. But actually, in this episode, we would encourage you to listen to it with your kids because... First of all, it's summer and the kids are always home and available and maybe you're spending some time in the car right now together on a road trip, right? Or we know that everyone in the family can actually benefit from thinking through these stories through a biblical, cultural, and honestly just a familial lens and then consequently have really great conversations about the headlines that we're going to be introducing today. Yeah, these are all pretty clean headlines, all focused around smartphones and social media. So let's go ahead and jump in with our first headline. Chances are you've seen a lot of headlines surrounding this topic over the past week or so. And this one we're taking from Time Magazine from May 26, 2023. And it says, U.S. Surgeon General fears social media is harming the well-being of our children. So on May 23rd, U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy issued an advisory warning about the impact that social media is having on the mental health of young people. He says, quote, I issued this advisory because this is an urgent crisis. Murthy tells Time Magazine, he says, in the effort to maximize the benefit and minimize the harms of social media on children, we have not made enough progress. As a consequence, I worry about the mental health and well-being of our children. Well, so Cal, right off, I have to say that I I don't think it's ironic that Dr. Murthy's advisory comes out two weeks after the APA released its advisory, which provided almost zero real hope and advice for parents and adolescents. The Surgeon General's statements at least gave some sense of hope and understanding to parents that they, you know, they recognize that there's a problem and they're concerned about it because I think parents for years have been concerned about it. So they're kind of just stating the obvious. They're kind of catching up to parents, to be quite frank. I know. I feel like I've been kind of raising this red flag since 2015 saying, this is is not okay. The benefits are not outweighing the risks. So to hear him say it, yes, part of me feels like, finally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the other part is like, thank you for agreeing. Thank you for seeing this. This is good. So Dr. Murthy goes on to say, Quote, as I traveled around the country and talked to families about mental health concerns, the number one question I get from parents is about social media, saying, is social media safe for my kids? And many kids raise the same concerns. The three things they have told me most consistently are, number one, 
that social media often made them feel worse about themselves. Number two, that it made them feel worse about their friendships. And number three, that they couldn't get off of it. As one student told me, quote, I feel great during the day, then take out my phone and get on social media and see all of these people doing things without me or accomplishing incredible things, having incredible bodies or living incredible lives. And suddenly I feel worse about myself. Dr. Murthy says it's a common theme. And he goes on to conclude, there isn't enough data to say that social media platforms are safe for kids. And second, that there is a growing evidence that social media use is associated with harms. Yes, 100% yes. Again, I feel like we've been saying this since 2015, but I'm again, I'm thankful that another organization, another agency, I guess I could say, is coming out and saying, yeah, there, there is not enough evidence out there that says this is okay. And I kind of thought this was a pro- profound way of saying this. There isn't enough evidence to say that it's safe. There is a lot of evidence that it leads to harm and some evidence that it could be beneficial, but not enough to demonstrate that there is a net amount of safety. Now, interestingly enough, his solution isn't parents. Listen to what he says. Quote, I 100% see this as a responsibility for policymakers and technology companies. Any company that produces a product consumed by kids has a fundamental responsibility to ensure it is safe for children, that it helps and not harms them. We don't ask parents to inspect the brakes on cars that children will ride in or the ingredients and medications that children use or ask them to conduct chemical analysis of the paint used in toys made for children to make sure that they're safe. We set standards and enforce them. That's usually done by the government to make sure that manufacturers meet them. That's what's missing here. We can't have technology companies set their own standards. We don't do that in any other sector where kids' well-being is at stake. But that's largely what has been happening over the past 20 years. Man, oh man. Dude. (laughs) Well, I generally do not think that more government intervention is the answer to any problem. I simply don't know any other way to make these tech companies and media platforms acknowledge the evil that they propagate and create a product that doesn't exploit the weaknesses of children and teens for their own profit. Because that's, that's what's happening. And right now there's no accountability. They can go in front of Congress and, and answer all the questions that they want to answer, but right now nothing's happening. Dr. Murthy is right. There is no standards being set that holds them accountable. They have that law protecting them, saying that the free speech that is said on their platform is not their responsibility. And that's Mm -hmm. a problem. It's, you know, I I completely agree with you. I look at this and I think it's a shame that it had, that the federal government has to step in because this should have been happening in homes across America. Right. A lot of people will look back and say, well, we didn't know how far it would go. But there was a, you could have sat back and read it out logically, you know, concluded where this was going to go. Right. Yeah, I think so, the writing was on the wall <laughs> for yeah. a long time. So let's talk about this with our families. How can we have discussions together as a family with your kids about what the U.S. Surgeon General is bringing to light here? Now, if your kids don't have social media, surely they probably have heard about it or maybe you have social media and they know about it through you or maybe their friends do have it. You can ask them the question of how does social media 
make your friends or peers? Does it make them feel better? Does it make them act worse or behave worse? You know, are they less stressed and more joyful? Chances are the answer is probably no, but, you know, curious to see. If they do have social media, the great question would be, do you agree that social media can make you feel worse at times? Does it make your friendships feel worse? Do you feel like you just can't get off of it? Because that's what Dr. Murthy is saying, right? That he is seeing a consistent theme. Do your children fall into that same theme? It's also a great question to ask your kids what they think about these tech companies' responsibilities are. Do you think that they'll actually make any change? You know, if you were in charge, what changes would you have these tech companies make? And I think a great follow-up to that is, what age do you think social media should be allowed? Now, depending on the age of your child, you're going to get an interesting answer. The younger they are, they might say an older age, but if they're close to, you know, that age, maybe not. But ask them if the Surgeon General was to mandate an age, a new age limit or minimum for social media, what do you think that age should be? And based on that age, would it be good or bad for you and your friends? Like how hard would it be for teenagers to not be allowed on social media? And ultimately, what does God's word say about harming children? Because this is the bottom line of what Dr. Murthy is concerned about is the harm done to children, that it's There's not enough evidence it's safe. There may be some benefit, but there's more net harm. So what does God's word say about harming children? I know I personally, I think of the very humbling and (laughs) harsh, it seems like scripture of Mark 9.42, where Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, right, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Jesus is real serious. don't harm children. Yeah, he really, I mean, that one, Kelly, always gets me. Like that kind of, that one stays in the back of my brain. And I think the spirit uses me to constantly keep me on the straight and narrow. And in this day and age, when there are so many resources and so many options for kids and parents intentionally want to do good things for them, sometimes we get in between of our kids and Jesus and we get in between their relationship with him, with social media or technology or sports or something. But he's saying right here, don't you get in between me and your child. That's a good warning for us as parents. I know, especially for me. And I love all of those questions that you presented. I know personally, I've already had some of those conversations with my kids. And that conversation is going to keep going because we're always talking about this and looking at it from a different lens of maturity, you know, as they grow and whatnot. Or we're always looking at it because just the technology is changing right. quite rapidly, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so our next headline reads, smartphones take a toll on teenagers. What choice do parents have? Now, this came out of the Los Angeles Times on May 22nd, 2023, which I kind of think is ironic that it's coming out of the Los Angeles Times, but nevertheless, here we go. Weirder things have happened. Now, this article is actually an opinion piece discussing the recent findings from a nonprofit organization, Sapien Labs, which released a report on May 15th titled Age of First Smartphone Slash Tablet and Mental Well-Being Outcomes. Stunningly, not many news outlets reported on this. Um, So the author of the LA Times, he states, Across the world, regardless of skin color or language, people are suffering from mental health problems that are linked to the age at which they got their first smartphone or tablet according to a new report from Sapien Labs. 
They found that the younger that people were when they got their first smartphone or tablet, the more likely they were to have mental health challenges as adults, including suicidal thoughts, a sense of being detached from reality, and feelings of aggression towards others. But the author continues, despite growing awareness about the harms of these devices, many parents buy smartphones for their kids to prevent them from feeling left out or being left behind by their classmates. Now, if parents want to follow up on what I just read, we're going to link the Sapien Lab report in our show notes if you want to check that out. But Kelly, I mean, isn't that just the facts of life and culture today, right? Generally, most parents, they, they want to hold off on giving their children personal devices and screens, especially phones, but it really is the fear of them missing out and being socially isolated because all their friends can communicate without them. And that just truly, it makes the strongest parents cave. It is hard to stand up against this. That is it. That is exactly it. You know, what choice? A lot of parents feel, what choice do I have? They have to communicate with their friends. No one uses home phones anymore. Everybody texts. And so when the first kid gets it, even if it's at age seven or eight, nine, so much younger, it's like dominoes. Then the whole friend group or the whole sports team or the whole neighborhood, you know, whatever the class, they all tend to just cave one parent after the other after the other. You know, that's why we often say do this in community because it's so much better when you can do it. You're stronger in numbers. So, but anyway, based on this new report, the longer you wait for a smartphone, the better off you are mentally, emotionally, and socially. This is awesome news. I mean, we kind of knew this already, but the fact that we've got some data now backing this up, this is a great time to have conversations about this with your family. Ask the question, does this information change your approach, mom and dad? You can ask this to yourselves or your kids can ask you to when you are going to allow the smartphone or the tablet. These decisions, sadly, with the eight, with when we think of iPads, needs to happen when kids are born. <laughs> At the time of birth, you almost need to decide when are we going to allow that screen. Um, but as, as well for kids, does information knowing that in the future, you're going to be better protected against mental health problems if you delay your first smartphone. Does that make you change as when you're going to ask for that phone? I think some other great questions you can ask is, if the smartphone use can impact young people's mental health, how much more can it impact our spiritual health? And frankly, I think this is a question for us as adults too, that we can really spend time thinking and meditating on how does my the presence of my smartphone change my walk with Christ how much am i on my phone versus how much am i in the word or in prayer because it's an easy it's an easy distractible thing and you just forget you just forget about God in your life and in your everyday so not just mental health but also spiritual health ask those questions you know to your kids again asking knowing this research what do you think? Can you look to the future, say they're 10, can you look to the future and say, yeah, I don't want to be, you know, burdened with all kinds of mental health issues. Do they even understand what that means? Maybe you explain what that means based on our, our uh, current cultural situation of depression and anxiety. Can they put off that desire? You know, can they use self-control and self-discipline. 
Because ultimately, we all, we all are guilty of the sin of instant and immediate gratification. And I think a great biblical application to this is just talking about what does the sin of immediate gratification look like? What does God's word have to say? And so I looked into this a little bit because I really wanted to know myself. And the be- one of some of the best verses I found that really convicted my heart were first, second Timothy one, seven, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I don't have to fear my kids missing out and not giving them a certain technology or a certain device, right? That's my self-control. That's the power of God and the love of the Lord and wanting to be obedient to him that I can use that self-control to wait. I don't have to fear man. Um, And also Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, as the world falls like dominoes to earlier and earlier screen use, whether that be as a toddler or whether that be as a teenager or an eight-year-old, you know, with a smartphone, our command is to not be conformed to the world, but be renewed in our mind through God's word. And so those are, those are great scriptural applications as to how we can fight the sin of immediate gratification, not only in ourselves, but in our kids too. And finally, I think a great question to talk about as a family is how can you all work together to create more face-to-face, life-on-life, relational opportunities? How can you work to communicate better? Is it with parents texting one another? Is it with, you know, kids texting one another, maybe on the parent's phone, but they don't have their own phone? How can you just gather them together so that they are not socially isolated, but yet they don't have their own smartphone. So those are great questions I think that you can talk about as a family. I think what that boils down to is you can make easy choices now that will inevitably make life harder in the future, or you can make hard choices now that will make life easier yeah. in the future. That's it's true. What, that's what it boils down to. Absolutely. That's our decisions. Yeah. So our next article says Montana governor bans TikTok. This came from CNN on Thursday, May 18th, 2023. Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed a bill Wednesday banning TikTok in the state. Gianforte tweeted that he has banned TikTok in Montana to, quote, protect Montanans' personal and private data from the Chinese Communist Party, end quote. Officially making it the first state to ban the social media application. The bill, which will take effect in January, specifically names TikTok as its target prohibiting the app from operating within state lines. The law also outlines potential fines of $10,000 per day for violators, including app stores found to host the social media application. The ACLU also pushed back on the bill, releasing a statement saying that, quote, with this ban, Governor Gianforte and the Montana legislator have trampled on the free speech of hundreds of thousands of Montanans who use the app to express themselves gather information, and run their small business in the name of anti-Chinese sentiment, end quote. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so right out the gate. First Mm -hmm. of all, I think it's funny, ironic. I'm not sure that he tweeted about the bill passing. It's like, let's use a cesspool social media platform to announce that we're banning another (laughs) cesspool (laughs) social media platform. Okay, so yeah, that's my personal opinion. 
Um, but I also want to acknowledge the fact that the U.S. government has banned TikTok on all government-issued phones and devices. So for this, a state to take the natural step of banning it for its citizens, to me, isn't all that surprising. Because if the national government doesn't want TikTok accessing their personal information, it sort of follows that a state will act in a similar fashion. Now, the key to making this all happen falls essentially on like the App Store and Google Play. Like they're going to have to prohibit the app from being downloaded in the state, which they cannot effectively do. And at least they're not set up to do it. So most likely they will incur the fines. And then there's the whole question of how are you actually going to find every person who uses the app? Is that even feasible? Nonetheless, I think this is an important story because like so many other hot cultural topics right now, states are all taking very different stances and enacting different laws. Therefore, where you live matters regarding what type of freedoms for good or evil that you'll have. So here's some questions to ask maybe your older kids, but I think that just to be good citizens, to be good consumers of technology and media, we have to raise up our kids to be able to answer some of these questions, these cultural questions that help shape their worldview. Number one, what is free speech? And whose job is it to protect the right to it? What did the founding fathers actually mean when they gave us the right to free speech? Because whether or not your kids understand that now, they're going to be posed with these type of issues when they get to high school, when they get to college. This is a big topic right now. Everybody wants access to free speech, no matter whether they're saying good stuff, whether they're saying evil stuff. You know, we as Christians want the right to free speech because we want to be able to share our Christian views and values. But then everyone who opposes us also want free speech to blast everything that we say and counter everything that we say. So this is, a, this is an important question for kids to think through. Equally important, what does God's word say about, about free speech? That's a really good question. And I think as Americans, we sometimes get our, our adjectives or how we define ourselves a little bit backwards. Some people would say, I'm an American Christian, but really I'm a Christian American. So yeah, what does God say about free speech because I'm first obedient to him and then I'm obedient to the government. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So um, immediately I think of Matthew 12, 36. God or Jesus says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Now, <laughs> as someone who runs a podcast with you, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that keeps me on my toes, you know, that keeps me accountable. That's right. That's, right. That's why we pray before every podcast because That's we, we care true. deeply about... <laughs> About saying careless words, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Psalm 141 in verse 3. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over my lips. And my, the last one that I'm thinking about, Kelly, uh, leads me to First uh, Peter 2.16, where he says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And even here, Peter says, you're, you are accountable to God first. Yeah. It's great that I have set up rulers and nations and established some freedoms for you within that government, but you are still mine. Yeah. So that's, live as my citizen. That's right. That's an excellent point. We are citizens of heaven, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Right. I think another great question is asking your kids, is TikTok a guaranteed right or privilege? 
are we, <laughs> are we guaranteed that in our constitution? Just because it is a platform that allows for creativity, free speech, and what did they say, like small business something? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that we're guaranteed the right to it? What do your kids have to say? You might have disagreeing opinions, and that's okay. Let your kids have their thoughts and opinions and just share yours and agree to disagree for now and always have these coming back to these type of conversations because their mind will change as they grow and mature. I think another question when we talk about just being good citizens and thinking through as you get older and you become able to vote is thinking through why do you think some states make laws protecting certain things like abortion or access to TikTok while other states are making laws banning it? Why is there such division? And that kind of, of course, is going to lead you to the different values and and morals that the policymakers have. Um, but that's important because when they go to vote, they need to know how to think about those type of things. And it's never too young. Again, you're applying some middle school and high school history and government type lessons, just applying that to real life because this is where it's at. Whether or not they do that in the schools, you can definitely be doing that in your family. And finally, I think a good question is, is there ever a time when someone's right to free speech needs to be taken away. Like if what you say hurts or offends someone, does that mean you no longer have the right to that, that speech of what you said? Or does just everyone deserve this right equally? Mm. Kelly, those are some really good questions. Honestly, not just for kids, but for every citizen of the United States. Like I'm sitting back kind of listening to all of them and I'm like kind of thinking what my kids would say as I kind of think about it in my head. Yeah, I think these are great questions. I mean, you, seriously, you are putting some history lessons into practice over the summer. Yeah. Some government. I mean, that's fantastic. I love it. But I'm a homeschool mom, so I love all types of teaching and learning. So. <laughs> okay. So one last headline for us, brave parents, still keeping in our same theme of smartphones and social media. Cal, you're going to. All right. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. This just came out. Um, so we're recording this. Uh, just came out yesterday. Aisha Curry says that she admits she regrets overexposing her now 10-year-old daughter Riley on social media when she was just a toddler. So Aisha Curry is the wife of NBA basketball star Stephen Curry. They have three children together. And recently, they've actually both spoke in interviews about regretting allowing their children's pictures to be on social media. Now, the article talks about how back in 2015, Stefan and Aisha brought their two-year-old into the spotlight of press conferences during Golden State Warrior Games. And she was just so cute. She won kind of all this viral fame. The internet just loved her. Well, the couple confessed that they contributed to Riley's internet fame as well by posting cute photos and videos of her on their Instagram pages. Stefan said in an interview, quote, if I could take it back, I probably would, just because my goal is to give my kids the best chance of success in seeing the world in a proper way, having a normal life in terms of treating people the right way, having respect, not getting too big headed and feeling like everything is about them. Aisha similarly said, quote, when the social media thing started, nobody knew what it was going to become. If we had known back in the day just how chaotic it would make life, I don't think we would have done it. 
And she goes on to note that they are way more intentional at keeping their kids out of the public eye, and they do not allow their kids to have smartphones or social media accounts. Whoa. I mean, let me tell you, I think there are a lot of parents today who feel that way, but honestly, they're not talking about it. You know, maybe they're they don't want to talk about it because they have guilt. Maybe they're ashamed of what they've done. I don't know. But this is this is the Sharantine that we talked about in episode 102. And it, it really is kind of proving to be destructive in the parent-child relationship as the years go down the road. It all seems like fun and games and the normal course of life until your kids realize that they have been all over the world of the internet and they never even knew it. Or until the images have been stolen by predators or even reused in foreign advertising. It like contributes to this fame idea. I think when they get to the age of like eight or 10 or whenever it is, and they realize that you've posted every picture of their every developmental stage, if not every day to the internet, they just have this innate feeling like I'm famous. I'm important. And I don't know if you can take that away. It almost has to be like completely torn down and rebuilt. And that's a hard process. But I think that is some of the maybe entitlement that is contributed to this young people's. And then when they don't get the attention that they think that they need because they're supposed to be famous, then they're Mm -hmm. depressed or anxious. And I don't know, I think it's a whole big cycle and parents posting every minute of their kids' lives on social media contributes to it. I agree. You know, I was wondering when you read the article, if maybe these parents haven't felt a little pushback behaviorally, like if they haven't. I wondered that as well. Yeah. yeah. Wondered if that 10 year old kind of came to the, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. she was getting a little too big for her britches. Right. And they realized, wow, uh, we shouldn't have done this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, chances are there was a catalyst to their regret. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, she has a famous dad. So, of course, I mean, aren't, isn't the number one job right now among kids, like either an influencer or a gamer? You know? it's, it's way up there. Yeah. Or it's an NBA star. So either way. So either way, she's. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of think there is probably some behavioral stuff. But yeah. And I once again, Kelly, when we read this news article, this actually allows for really great conversation. So we could ask our kids, do you think it's okay for parents to share pictures of their kids regularly on social media for the world to see, to access, to save, and to screenshot, right? That that gets kids thinking deeply about privacy issues and how much they want themselves shared. Another question you could ask is to your kids, do you wish there were or were not, kind of depending on your circumstances, pictures of you on the internet as you grew up? One of the steps that I've made as a parent is taking everything down of my kids because I didn't want this sort of destructive sharenting to ruin our relationship as when they're adolescents and and young adults. I didn't want my digital footprint to ruin their future. Another question you could ask are what are the potential dangers of posting pictures and telling stories about kids online without them knowing? You know, one of the big things that we've kind of talked about in our seminars is, you know, sharing medical information about your kids online, you know, and a lot of parents would be like, oh, I just, I did it because I wanted prayer. But you could have gone to your closest friend and done that instead of, you know, sharing it with 500 friends. And then the last question that you could ask to yourself or to your spouse, really just think deeply about it together as a couple, how will our social media posts of our children benefit them or harm them later on in life? 
Is there a net gain for them? Or is it really just about me receiving positive feedback right now? Those are hard questions. Those are hard questions. And I think they're important questions. And I think involving kids in it, it's humbling, Mm -hmm. but it's absolutely necessary. It is their likeness. It is their image. They, I hate to use the word because the word is just so um, ruined. (laughs) Consent. They need to give a consent of whether or not they want that all over the internet. We've talked about, you know, toddlers being on there and sort of the parents making fun or sort of using them as comedy content. And how is that going to make them feel later in life? And that, that's a hard, hard reality that we need to, to think about. Well, if we frame it for ourselves as Christians with the pro-life argument, we look at that image bearer in the womb, that they are precious no matter what state or what size or their location. They're always precious and we want to protect that image bearer in the womb. Don't we want to protect that image bearer outside the womb as well? And the reality is, is these predators and whatnot, they do steal our pictures and they do put them on their websites. They do screenshot our kids and use them for personal pleasure. And we really have to think about that because it is happening. We don't talk about these things because we want to scare parents. It's just the reality of what it is. And the kids also, unfortunately, really need to think about it as well, because eventually one day they are going to have social media. Hopefully, maybe they get to make that choice themselves and they right. won't have had a digital footprint. But yeah, yeah, it's just what it is. Yeah. Ultimately, I think all of these headlines as parents, but also as young people who are listening to this, all of this kind of hits us square in the heart of our obedience to the Lord's calling for a holy life. And for raising up children to know and to love him. I firmly believe that walking in obedience to God's commands in front of your children, even when it's hard, even when they hate us for it, when you're like, I'm sorry, I do not feel peace with the Lord and allowing you to have social media at age 13, even if they hate God temporarily because of of your obedience to him. The more we walk in faith without wavering, without wavering, the more our kids will see that our faith is real and it gives life and that Jesus is worth it all. It is worth the hardship, worth the rejection and worth looking different than the world. I know I just gathered with my kids over Memorial Day weekend. And when I hear um, we're talking conversations about social media or this, that and the other, and I hear them say, well, it all comes down to the parents. And I'm thinking, yep, you're right. It did. And it, <laughs> back when I was refusing to allow you to have social media, this was me being obedient. And they, you know, they're still in their young 20s. They see it more now, but they respect the fact that we held our ground, that we were the same. We didn't bend to the world and we didn't bend to, to their immature whining demands. And I need this, right? We held fast. So maybe your kids will see your obedience and it will change them at 13. Maybe it'll change them at 17. You know what? It might not even change them until 30. That's not, that's not within your control. This is me preaching to myself. Um, That's under God's control. (laughs) Your job, my job, all of our job is just to be obedient to God and his word and to be holy, to seek holiness. Because when we boil the toxicity and cultural expectations out of parenting, what we're left with is just holy obedience. That's mm. just it. 
Holy obedience. That's a good word right there. Mm-hmm. Holy means to be set apart, to look different. And uh, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard in this day and age, but that is a good word to leave us with. And it is really something that you try to walk out every single day is, you know, we look at Luke 9.23, dying to ourselves daily. It's not easy, but it absolutely is worth it because obedience to the Lord is such a joy. So even if you're not getting the results you want, the joy is still yours because your relationship and your worship of God is growing. And that is better than our relationship with our kids, to be quite frank. Like our relationship with God is everything that matters. So yeah, our end game, it is not happiness. It is holiness. So if you have kind of like thought through some of these questions, maybe you're, you've been listening and you're like, you know what, these, these are some hard questions. And maybe my phone, my relationship with my phone and my relationship with media and technology have kind of usurped what's due back to God. Maybe it's usurped time with your family. Um, you know, maybe you're like, I don't even have the bandwidth right now to talk with my kids about these questions. I can only answer them for myself because I'm so busy. Maybe you're like, I don't even have the bandwidth to talk with my kids about these things because I'm just always on the go. I'm always trying to be productive. I'm a busy person. Then, you know, before we leave you today, we just once, once again want to encourage you to, to get RO for the summer. We absolutely love RO. I just checked my RO report to see where I was at. I think I'm on a 37-day streak right now, but I have accumulated six days away from my phone. That's how many. Yeah, that's how many hours my phone has been in RO. Uh, My husband doesn't even keep it in the room anymore. He keeps it in RO at night. Like, it's pretty fantastic. It is a subscription service that helps you quantify and compete with your family from time away from your screen. It is absolutely one of the best products that we could suggest to you as a family for the summer. Build up really great habits over the summer so you can take them into the school year because it's kind of like the school year where it all falls apart, isn't it, Kelly? When yep. our schedules yep. get like super crazy again. So you can get your RO box for free when you subscribe. And then when you use the promo code BRAVE, you also get a one-month free subscription. It is a win-win all around. So go to GoRO dot com forward slash brave and then use the c- promo code brave and i honestly don't think you're gonna regret it i yeah. really don't everybody we've talked to that have gotten it have really loved it it's a great company we cannot recommend them enough the ro is the way to go for summer especially if your kids are new to smartphones if this is their first summer with a smartphone RO is the way to go. It is the best way to create habits. So yes, and amen. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review. This helps get the podcast out to more people. And we'd be honored for you to share it with your people, your family, your schools, your workplace. We need to bring about a biblical view of media and technology. And we do this together, getting more and more people on board. So thank you so much for listening, friends. Have a wonderful week. Until next time, go and be brave.